Uh, but let's uh, start with a word of prayer, and we'll get going here on James Lesson 9. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you uh, for this day. Um, Lord, even with the rain, it's just beautiful, knowing, Lord, that you got us here safely, uh, that you provide, ultimately, Lord, and help us as we go into today's text. Uh, convict us, Lord, uh, very important here. Uh, and so be with us. Uh, may your Holy Spirit convict. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us to set up the tone by reading a passage in the Gospel of John. I thought it would be very fitting since we just spoke about the resurrection, and we're going to speak about 1 Peter today in the morning service. So I want to read about one dialogue between Jesus and Peter right after that resurrection. So go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Really like this interaction with Jesus and Peter. And verse 15. We'll read those two verses there. It says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my lambs. And then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Shepherd my sheep. And Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, tend my sheep. So here we have Jesus asking Peter three times if he loved him. And Peter, we know in the context, he denied Jesus three times before the death of Christ on the cross. And we know that Peter was uh, fearful of death. And the question is, will Peter follow Jesus to death this time? You can feel the tension in the conversation building up by the third question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says he loves Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Tend or shepherd my sheep. So Peter's love for Jesus is measured by his obedience to Jesus. Will Peter follow Jesus after the resurrection or will he deny him again? Our text in James today has to do with following Jesus. In James, we have this command to be doers of the word. Today's passage is very familiar to many of us. You often hear that phrase. Don't only be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And so although this phrase is something we often hear, we need to be reminded to apply it daily. Will we be doers of the word or will, be, or will we be deniers of Jesus? So let me recap briefly. Last week we learned about rejecting the world, right? We mentioned that was about repenting of your sins. It's that preparation before you can receive the word. You need to repent. Second is we need to revere God in humility, right? With that attitude we have to have is to be humble before God's word. Then we receive the implanted word. Yes, it is in us, but we need to actively receive it. And then rejoice of the promised future salvation, right? Yes, we've been saved by the blood of Christ, but now we're looking forward to the future salvation of being with Christ forever, uh, with that crown of life. And we also were uh, reminded to show appreciation to God for all he has done through his word. 
Today, we're going to examine some key points in this beautiful text. First thing we're going to look at is that life-changing command, right? Another one of James' 54 imperatives. This one is key to the whole letter. If you remember our first lesson, I summed up the book of James in this statement. Be wise and obey the word in a world of war for wealth. Our command this morning is basically that, being wise and obeying the word. We're also going to observe two main characters in this passage, right? We have this deceived hearer. We already talked about it before. It's a fool. And we're going to talk about the blessed doer. We also mentioned that before with the wise man. And then I want you to notice the illustration. This is going to be our third simile in the book of James. And remember, he's very artistic. We see these pictures. We can relate to them. And lastly, I want you to know what the perfect law is, the law of liberty. So let's go into our first three verses for today. Go to James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 22 to 24. If you got it, say amen. All righty. Let's read. James 1, verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So in these verses, we observe that main command that James wants his audience to follow, and that is to prove to be doers of the word. We also read about the characteristics and conclusion of the deceived hearer. James is going to paint a picture of, for us to think through. We also are going to see this theme of deception um, right there where it says you delude themselves. It's going to come up again. If you remember, we spoke about it a couple weeks ago, stopping the deception and starting the devotion. And so here in this passage, I want you to learn how to spot deception so you do not deceive yourselves. So let's look at verse 22 again. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So we see here the main command brings up that idea of birth again, right? The word for ginomai means to come into being or I am born. The NASB, if you have it there, it translates it prove. It's about becoming or behaving in a certain manner. So we come to exist as a doer or keeper of the word. And we possess this certain characteristic. And that is obedience to the word, ultimately obedience to Christ. So my first question for you guys today is what is a doer of the word? How do you prove that you are someone that does the word of God? All right, so what do you guys say? How do you know you're a follower of Christ? Okay. Someone that does action. A, a Christian is someone who is active. Okay, what are they active in? What are Christians, what do they do? Okay. To be gracious? To help others? Reading the word? Good. To be faithful? Good, good. Anyone else? What? Mm. Yeah, following Christ. I mean, if you're a Christian, right, you're like a little Christ. You're supposed to follow the example of Christ. Be like Christ. Very good, very good. 
So James is telling us that we are to continue to be doers of the word. And that is to continue to obey the message. He is advocating for this complete life change that perseveres to the end. Now the next part of the verse, what does it say there? It's about deception, right? Look at verse 22. Not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you remember in verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now here it's not in a command, but rather it is descriptive of what deception looks like. It is a person that is merely a hearer of the word. Can someone explain to me what a deceived hearer is? What is a person that just is a hearer of the word? What do you guys say? Yeah, we're going to get to that. Very good. Any, anything else? What is a deceived hearer? Yeah. They do it, but it doesn't have an effect on them. They don't obey it. Yes. So one year out the other. Kind of like last week we spoke about having those two years. Yeah. Anyone else? What's a deceived hearer? Maybe some characteristics of a deceived hearer. People that are away from the truth. Yeah. Anyone else? A deceived hearer. Yeah, sure, Nance. Yeah, ear tickler. So someone who really just likes to hear what they want to hear. Right, their favorite show. They're like, "This is great. Entertain me. Come on." Not someone that's like, "Ooh, I need to be convicted over this. I need to hear the real truth." Very good, very good. So why don't we look at verse 23 and 24 again? Diana brought it up. We see some characteristics of the deceived here with this illustration that James gives. He says, "For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror." And then what happens? For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that the deceived hearer is not a doer of the word. In other words, they do not follow Christ. They are not true believers. And this is one of the saddest realities in the Bible. Many people think they're really Christians, but they're not. We see in Matthew 7.21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So it's clear from this verse alone that the deceived here does not do the will of God. And then if you keep reading in Matthew 7, 21, uh, the next verses after this startling statement, what do we observe those deceived hearers doing? They are performing religious acts like miracles, prophesying, and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. But what was the issue? What was the problem? They were doing all those things. What was the problem? They didn't know Jesus, right? They didn't have a real relationship with God. They practiced lawlessness. And so deceived here, as I put up here, uh, they're religious, right? They don't have a relationship with God, but they might know a lot about God, but they don't truly love him. They do not do the will of God. Another thing is that they're self-righteous, right? They try to justify themselves. And their relationship with God is not based on the word. It's based on their works. They're fooling themselves because we know their good works are like filthy rags before a holy God. And so my next question for you guys is, what are some religions or views that teach um, this type of deception that good works are needed to save you? So we're talking about deception. Give me some examples of deception you see in today's world. Catholicism, Catholicism, yeah. 
Yeah, why are they deceiving people? They're teaching you need to, what, follow mass and do these good works and give. I mean, church history, think about indulgences, but anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Islam, uh, I think if you gotta, you got to pray those five times a day. If you don't, uh-oh, some more time in purgatory. Anyone else? El- oh, Latter-day Saints, they change their name all the time. What is it now? The Mormons. Of- and what do they teach? That Jesus is the half-brother of Satan. I mean, unbiblical. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Yeah. So all the other religions, they are very man-centered. They're teaching you got to do, 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 do all this, then you get to heaven. Or whatever it is for them, peace or nirvana, I don't even know. But for us as believers, it's all by grace. It's, it's because of Jesus. And so we don't point to ourselves and what we do. We point to Jesus and what he has done for us. And so James explains to us what a deceived here is with this illustration, right? Um, see that guy, good-looking guy, you know, looking at himself in the mirror. Um, he's got nice teeth, white teeth. Um, Here we have our third simile. Look at James chapter 1, verse 24, uh, 23. It says, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. So, so far, our three similes, they have been in a negative fashion, right? They were examples of foolish people. The first one, if you remember, is the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. The second one was about the rich man who being like, the flowering grass will pass away. And so now we have the third simile, and it's about a deceived hearer. He's a man that looks at his natural face in the mirror. Has anyone done that this morning? Yeah? So you guys could relate to this. James does this because he knows his audience. He knows uh, his first simile was about the sea. His second one was about grass. And here, it's about what we do every day when we wake up. Um, it's not just... Uh, for the religious Pharisees with their nice robes and I got to look good because people are going to look at me when I'm praying and, and fasting or whatever. No, everyone does this. So this can, we can relate to this truth because before you go to work, you need to be ready for work, right? All right, so what do we see here in this illustration? Uh, we see that the deceived here does three things, right? The three steps of the fool. So he's looking, right? What is he looking at? himself and then he goes away right if you read the verse he departs in verse 24 and then he forgets immediately what type of person he was all right so these are the three steps that can really give us some characteristics of the deceived here the first thing is instead of looking at the perfect law this deceived here looks at himself right so deceived hearers are self-centered it's all about them the world it revolves around them It's all about what I am doing and what issues I'm going through. So they're very just prideful. They're thinking about themselves all the time. The second thing is that 
They are those type of people that go away. That can be translated to the parts, withdraw, cease to exist or pass away. And so like the rich man who passes away, the deceived here departs in his deceit. Another thing we see here is that the deceived here is described as a forgetful hearer. Right? The implication is that they do not obey the word. They forget it. It is not their delight. It is not their desire to follow God. They deny to do the work that all of God's creatures are called to do, and that is to obey God. So I want you to think of it this way, though, because when you hear the word forget, a lot of us are like, oops, I forgot to tell you about prayer on Friday last night. Um, sorry, I forgot to tell you. It's not really about that type of forgetting. It's more of this, you know, you have a student, and the teacher comes and says, oh, did you do your homework? Oh, I forgot. I forgot to do it. But let's be honest, they didn't really forget to do it. They chose not to do it, and now they have to face the consequences. And what would a good teacher do to that student? Right? Judge the student. Maybe give them an, an F on the, on the quiz or, or the homework. And so if you forget something, it means you really don't care about something. Um, if you forget to do the work, it's because you didn't want to follow God. Now, we see that this forgetful here or deceived here, they neglect to do the will of God. It is like a person who doubts God. If you remember in chapter 1, verse 6, it's not really about these questions that you have. It's, it's really because you don't trust God. Uh, and so this deceived here is someone that doesn't trust God. They're like the foolish man in Matthew 7, 26. I want you to see this here. Matthew 7, 26. Remember, I mentioned that James often is referring to the Sermon on the Mount and I really believe that he has this in mind as well. Matthew 7, 26, Jesus gives us an illustration, right? So where does James get all his illustrations from as well? It's a follower of Christ. Christ likes to illustrate. Jesus is talking about two foundations, right? There's the wise man who built his house on the rock. And then look at verse 26. Matthew 7 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine, all right, deceived here, but does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you could picture it there. Imagine if your house during the storm was built on sand. Whew, goodbye to your house. But Jesus, he's telling us that is what you're like if you're not acting on the words that I've commanded. So a religious person acts, but they do not act rightly. They do not obey the word. And so my next question is, what is the conclusion of the deceived here? What do you guys think happens to this person? I kind of alluded to it with the house on sand, but what do you guys think? What happens to this deceived here? The person maybe in Islam or the person maybe uh, that dies a Mormon. What happens to them? It's okay. It, it, it's a scary thing. It's all right. You could say it in here. Destroyed. Good, we're getting there. Keep going. What happens to the deceived here? To those that do not follow Christ. Eternal condemnation. Yeah. So the implication is that they are not blessed like the blessed doer. They are damned. Ironically, they are forgotten for eternity. Their fake faith will not endure. On judgment day, the books will be open and they will be judged according to their deeds. Revelation 20, 15 says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of 
fire. So this is a serious matter. Deceived hearers will not escape the wrath of God. So now before I give some applications from these verses, any questions or comments about anything we spoke about so far? Yep. That's the scary part about it. They really think they know God because they do so many good works. And so that, that's the thing. They're really deceived, and they deceive themselves. That's the other part because they followed a man-made religion. If you speak to any uh, Muslim today, they really think they're going uh, you know, with Allah. You speak to a Mormon, they really think they're going to a new planet and becoming their own God. They really believe this. And it's, it's sad. I mean, maybe you could relate to it before you became a Christian. I, and you'll hear my testimony later. I really thought I was a good person. I really thought I was going to heaven because of being a good guy. You know, I never killed anyone. And so it can happen to anyone. And yes, uh, on the last day, they, they're really going to say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Very good. Anyone else? Any comment or question? All right. So... Some applications just from this text, uh, and then we'll move on to our next verse. So the first one, very simply, is examine yourself and learn from the illustration of the deceived here. Are you a religious person that tries to justify themselves with your good works? Are you trying to earn your way to heaven? Do you live in complete disobedience to God? Deceived hearers need to repent and be doers of the word. Second application is to encourage others to be doers of the word, not merely hearers. And so as believers, we know how hard it is to do the will of God. So we need each other to encourage us, to remind us to look to Christ. And we're going to talk more about this in the last verse, but for now, remember, we are called to follow God. So follow him. Don't forget him. Let's look at our final verse here in James chapter 1, verse 26, uh, 25. James 1, 25. It says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And so here we have a major contrast that displays the blessed doer, who also has three steps, just like the deceived here. However, this person has positive characteristics about them and has a way better result than the deceived here. I also want you to examine the perfect law to have this better understanding of what exactly it is that the blessed doer is looking at. All right, so let's begin with the contrast. All right, what do you see there? It says, but, but what? James breaks this illustration with the word buts, right? After he's talking about uh, the mirror and that illustration of the deceived here, he's ready now to tell us what a blessed doer is like. This is a direct contrast to the deceived here. But I want you to notice that they both had a similar start, right? So here's my next question. What do you guys think are some similarities between the deceived here and the blessed doer? Just think of some. You have someone that says they hear the word, and you have someone who says they hear the word and do the word. What are some similarities between both of them? Both hear the words. Good. Anything else? What are some other things maybe that are similar? I think Evan kind of mentioned it uh, with Matthew 7.21 a little bit. They both act in religious manners. What else? 
They both go to church. Yeah, probably. Maybe different churches, but they both go to some religious organization. Yeah. They both say, yeah, they talk the talk. They say that they know God. Yeah, uh, good point, Diana, about going to church. I, I put that down, too. They pro both probably go to church or some type of religious organization. Uh, they both might know the Bible, right? We have some cults like Jehovah Witnesses that know the Bible. Um, maybe they give donations to the poor, right? Maybe they're tithing. They're, they're doing all the things they're supposed to be doing um, as a believer. But they're completely different. They are completely different. So I want you to see here some similarities uh, in verses 23 to 25. And the first thing that I want you to notice is they both began looking at something, right? What does the deceived hearer look at? Looks to himself. And then what do we see here that the blessed doer looks at? The perfect law. So the one looks to himself and the other humbles himself, right? The word for looks intently in verse 25 could be translated to bent or I stoop. And so in other words, the humble person had to look down to something. He doesn't look to himself. He looks to that which God has given to us to follow his will, which is the perfect law. So this is the first step of the wise man, right? So similar to the deceived here who had three steps, the uh, first of the three is look intently at the perfect law. And if you keep reading in verse 25, they are abiding by that law of liberty. And lastly, they are effectual doers or they do the work of the law. Right, And so the blessed doer is someone that doesn't forget to do God's will. They don't depart from the faith. They persevere by following God. The blessed doer isn't deceived. They stay with the truth. And like I said, the last step, they do the work of the law. Why, why do we bring up the word work? We're talking about doers of the word. Why are we talking about being a doer of the work? Well, the context is the law of God. Right? They do that which God has called them to do. We could say that they simply follow God's will. So we see here in verse 25 at the end, it says, Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And so here's some characteristics that I have of the blessed doer. Right? What does the blessed doer look like? So um, we kind of mentioned what a deceived hearer kind of has some characteristics. Here we're going to see some characteristics of the blessed doer. First one, they're humble, right? They're humble. They don't trust in themselves for salvation. They trust in God's formula of salvation. They know that they will not be able to endure on their own, and so they need the perfect law to guide them. They need to listen to God to do His will. Second thing is that the blessed doer, they are obedient to God, right? If you remember Matthew seven twenty one. Those are the ones that do the will of God will enter uh, into his kingdom. They don't forget what God has called them to do. They do it. And, and I think someone mentioned it. They're active, right? They're obeying God consistently. And lastly, I put here that they are loving. Now, where do I get this characteristic from? Um, I'm going to explain when we get to the perfect law. But for now, remember, the blessed doer has a real relationship with God. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. All right, so let's discuss this last important part of our text here with this perfect law or the law of liberty. What is it? 
I believe, again, James is bringing us back to the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at Matthew 7, 12, does anyone know Matthew 7, 12? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want people to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets, right? That's the golden rule. Many of us call it that way. You might remember it as do unto others as you want them to do to you, all right? So this law uh, is pretty much summing up the whole Old Testament law of what God has commanded us to do, to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Look at James chapter 2, verse 8. I want you to see how I made these connections here. I'm not just saying this just to say it. Look at James chapter 2, verse 8. It says, If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. And then look at verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. All right. So we see there in the context that the wise man is someone who looks to the greatest commandments, right? The law of God. And that is in Mark 12, verses 29 to 31. Jesus says, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourselves, and there is no other greater commandment than these. And so my question for you guys is, how do we do that? How do we love God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind and our neighbor as ourselves? What are some ways we do that? How do we love God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obey and share God's uh, truth with others. Anyone else? How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, but how do we do it? To be slow to anger. Yeah, using James. I like that. Very good. Anyone else? I think it's key what Diana said about obedience. We're going to look at that. Why don't you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? It's probably going to help us to go to the book where Jesus quoted from often, not only in temptation, but when bringing up what are the greatest commandments. Look at Deuteronomy 6. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Maybe that could be your homework. Um, but I'll summarize it, right? There's a lot of here that we can talk about. But first thing I want you to notice in Deuteronomy 6 is that Moses is communicating to God's people the blessing of obedience. If they listen to God and they keep his law, they are going to be blessed. And then look at verse 4 of uh, chapter 6. Here we have it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Starts here with a understanding who God is, right? And then, what are we to do? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So here we have the greatest command. And so, Moses communicated that to us. Um, obviously, God wanted them to worship him alone. And they are to love God. They aren't to forget this. That's why they're told to write God's law in many places in their homes and to teach their children how the Lord had saved them and provided for them. Also, if you keep reading in chapter 6, they're talking about not testing God, but rather trusting God. And so what ends up happening to the Israelites? We know they don't do a good job at this, right? They disobey God. 
And rather than worshiping him alone, they go after false gods. And so this is the context in which, it's, in which James is writing to a Jewish audience to understand you got to be doers of the word, right? you got to be people that obey God, follow him and him alone. It's like he's warning us to don't go after idols in this world, just like the Israelites did years ago. And if you keep reading in James chapter 4, 6, what does he say? You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so we can either love God or deny him. If our desire is to love him, we're going to look to the perfect law. The perfect man or the mature man looks to the perfect law. That's how the believer, that's how we can grow in our relationship with God if we look to the law of liberty. Now, another thing I want to make a note about, perfect law, it's also referred to as the law of liberty. You know, what is that about? I mean, some would say freedom and obedience, that's a contradiction. How, how can you be someone who obeys God and, and you're free? What, what do they teach nowadays? Self-autonomy, like they're just, you, you have to be free to do whatever you want, you know? No. I like what some commentators say about this topic of liberty. They say that men are free when they want to do what they ought to do. Or someone else says that we are truly free only when we do what is pleasing to the Lord. There's nothing sweeter, nothing better than obeying God because that's what we were created to do, to worship Him and worship Him alone. Ephesians 2.10, right? We're created for good works in Christ Jesus. And so there's nothing better than walking in that which God calls us to do. I think it's um, a paradox in the Christian faith. If you want to be free, be a slave. Mm. If you want to live, die. If you want to love, be loved, be hated. Or wow. be accepted, be rejected. Yes. No, it is. I mean, whew, very good, very good. I won't even add to that. Um, so now that we understand what specifically the blessed doer looks to and obeys the word, uh, to obey the word. What's the conclusion of this man, right? Remember we were talking about the conclusion of this, the deceived here? They're damned. What about this blessed man? What is his conclusion? What's the blessing of obedience? Salvation. Yes. Very good. Salvation. If you look at the end of James chapter 1, verse 25, it says that he will be blessed in all that he does. Now, we observe here the blessing of obedience. God rewards the wise man who studies the word, submits to the word, is steadfast by the word, and strives to do the word. He is blessed. We saw this word blessed, if you remember, in James chapter 1, 12. With the man who perseveres under trial, he will receive the crown of life. And so this blessed doer, will be someone that doesn't forget to do God's will. He will persevere. He will do that which God has called him to do. And believers that do the work of loving God and their neighbor will be blessed. If you keep reading in Deuteronomy 7, right, after we read Deuteronomy 6, it's a lot, there's a lot about uh, being blessed in that context if you love God and follow his word. So, yes, there could be in some sense that James is talking about physical blessings, but I believe his main focus is spiritual blessings. Why? You go to James chapter 5, verse 11. We're going to see this word again. Look at James 5, verse 11. 
says, We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And so what do we see here? We see that Job is blessed, but he went through the hardest of trials, right? For many of us, compared to Job, imagine going through all of that with your health declining, your family dying. But God was gracious to a sinner. Job was blessed even though he went through that difficult trial. And Job is just a small picture of all believers that go through trials. God will get us through them. God will have mercy on us. God will make sure we endure and we will receive eternal life. We will be blessed as we go throughout this world. And so we can trust that he will keep us and guard us as we go about following his law, his perfect law. So I have one more text here just to communicate the idea of how God blesses those that do his word. So turn with me to Matthew 24. I think this is fitting for us. Matthew 24, since we're talking about the end times on Wednesdays, you're all welcome to come in person. So Matthew 24, verse 45 to 51. I like this. We hear a truth of obedience bringing blessing in Matthew 24:45. Let's read. It says, For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at the hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But, oh, we have another contrast here, but it's in the negative. If that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect them at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I hope you can see the deceived here and the blessed doer here in this text. So notice the first slave. They're faithful. They're sensible. They're blessed. And what are they find doing? Doing what they're called to do. And then look at how that blessing is described. They will be put in charge of all their master's possessions. And so I hope you see the picture of blessing. From little to much. Believer, one day you are going to go from the little you have in this world to having plenty with Christ. More than you can imagine. Remember, if you read James 2.5, we'll be heirs of the kingdom. Right? We're going to be reigning with Christ. Remember, if you know Christ, you are the richest person you know. And that should bring you joy, knowing that truth. But what about the second slave? He's called evil. He is like the deceived here. He's lazy. He doesn't do what the master has called him to do. He thinks he has time to fool around before the master's return. And so he practiced lawlessness. And when the, master's, uh, when the master returns, the evil slave is punished. And like we said about the deceived here, this person is damned, right? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the opposite conclusion of the blessed doer. And so, beloved, may we continue to be doers of the word, not deceivers, uh, not deceived hearers of the word. Now, before any uh, applications, any uh, questions or comments on what we just said? Yes? I think, I think it's important to look at not only that of 
Yeah. Yes, and, and so I, I kind of brought that up with the religious uh, people that do actions, right? Those that say, you know, didn't we prophesize in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? So they were doers in a sense, but they weren't doers of God's word. There's only one type of people that are doers of God's word. But very good point uh, and good reminder. Anyone else before our applications here coming to a close? All right, so for this verse... First application is that we need to keep going in obedience to Christ. Attentive listening to the word must be followed by active obedience. We need to practice what we preach. Rather than coming to church just to hear the word, we need to apply it. Application number two is you need to know the blessing of obedience. There is nothing sweeter than pleasing our Lord. When we obey him, we are blessed. We are free, no longer slaves to sin so let's bring him glory let his blessing motivate you to keep going and doing the work of the believer so in conclusion we learn that we are to be doers of the word this will require us to look to the perfect law this means we live our christian life in obedience to the greatest commandments we abide by this truth and we are to love god and love our neighbors the conclusion of all those who do this work are blessed And we also learned about the deceived here, or that person that thinks they're doing the will of God but really aren't. This person's not blessed. They do not follow the will of God. And so, what will we do? Will we love Jesus? We must obey him. Will we love Jesus? We must listen to him and do what he commands us to do. Will we love Jesus? Let's follow him, even if it means death. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if you love Jesus, you will be doers of the word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you uh, for this reminder. Um, Lord, very convicting to go and follow you no matter what. Help us, Lord, to do this. Give us grace. Give us strength, Lord, to follow your will. So many times we could easily be deceived and try doing what we want to do. But help us to humble ourselves and, and obey you. I pray this in Jesus' name.